Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Today, we'll be talking about the fallout of Warner Brothers' The Suicide Squad, Disney's 20th Century Studios Free Guy, and Venom Let There Be Carnage. We're also with Evil and Luke Cage star Mike Coulter. All right, so we got to start off with Suicide Squad, which kind of looked like it was a Suicide Squad mission for Warner (laughs) Brothers. And, And all this happened, obviously, in the theaters and on HBO Max. This is the James Gunn version, The Suicide Squad. Margot Robbie was back. She's awesome. Idris Elba was there. He was awesome. There was a lot of good things. There's a giant shark voiced by Sylvester Stallone, which I just yes, uh, yeah. It seems to be a James Gunn thing to get a to get a big star to play almost a a non-speaking role. Um, and there was a giant starfish, which is if you don't know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. A clear homage to one of my favorite movies of all time, Ghostbusters. But none of that seemed to matter because Anthony, as you wrote frequently. It bombed at the box office. Well, there's a lot of things going on here. Warner Brothers wants to squarely blame the Delta variant, which is possible. I think this is on everybody's minds, you know, whether this is impacting casual moviegoers. But here's the unfortunate thing. Despite this movie having great reviews, uh, it's following in a franchise that fanboys have already turned their nose up at. What's interesting, despite the first Suicide Squad making a ton of money, like over 700 million worldwide, it's kind of like the Batman versus Superman of um, the DC villain ensemble movies. And Birds of Prey didn't help. That's a, that that's tank- a, very, that's a very specific subgenre, the DC villain movies. <laughs> so, but um, part of the problem going in was into the weekend, Aside from HBO Max taking away some, you know, because, hey, teenagers who, who gave the film a great, a great exit score, they, they don't have to deal with the whole notion of not being able to get into an R-rated uh, movie at the cinema. They can just watch it at home at HBO Max for free. And um, the other thing was that was unclear in the marketing was, was this a reboot? Was this not? Uh, there's a lot of people that think that it should have been, call it something else. The Suicide Squad goes to the jungle. Anything to distinguish it from everything else. And, um, but Warner seems to, to squarely blame the Delta variant. I don't know if we can do that 100% because they claimed at the same time, it was the biggest opening for an R-rated film in the pandemic. They spent a lot of PNA on this. It's opening right in line with Godzilla versus Kong and with Conjuring 3. So, uh, you know, it did what it was supposed to do for an HBO Max theatrical release. Well, I mean, look, Warner Brothers wanted both ways on this. They've wanted it both ways ever since they brought in this policy of releasing all, their, all of their slate also on HBO Max. I get it. 
streaming is clearly where the action is for these guys. And in the middle of a pandemic, that made sense. <clears throat> and to be honest, it made sense now. I am not comfortable going into a movie theater. I like that is my right. personal choice. I I I I cast no pox upon anybody else, literally or figuratively. I am not comfortable with that. And yeah. I am also, um, I don't really feel to be honest, the way things are kind of shaken down for where I live. I have to actually haul ass a bit to get to a movie theater now, whereas before there used to be, obviously, there was the Arclight right down at Hollywood and Vine, um, where The Suicide Squad clearly would have played had it been open. So yeah. there, there, there's difficulties there. I think the Delta variant is a variant in this issue, but I think there's another issue, which which all the flax at Warner Brothers and, and, and no one will really address, and unfortunately, James Gunn has got a little bit on his shoulders, which is that the DC brand is so tainted. Like, it's yeah. just... Honestly, like you get away from Aquaman and it's just kind of hard, man. Like these movies are just, they're, they're like prog rock albums from the 70s. They're just so bloated and endless. I mean, look, I really enjoyed The Suicide Squad. I'm a big Idris fan. I'm a big Margot fan. I'm a big James Gunn fan. I thought any movie that kind of starts with a Johnny Cash song can't go that wrong. I, I regret <laughs> the fact that yet again, the Pixies are used, even though I love the Pixies. But I think someone needs to realize every time things descend into madness or chaos, we don't need to play a Pixie song. Like, you know, this is not <laughs> Carmona Baruna. Like we, we find another tune. But the reality is, movie was too long. It went all over the place. And sometimes that was enjoyable and sometimes that was not so great. But it just simply is, you just feel like every kind of step they make, it's like two steps forward, eight steps back. Like you're making a movie where you like on the release of the movie, you're playing a back game of having to explain how it's not the previous movie with the almost the same name, how it's not the other director and you're not dissing him, but you're kind of dissing David Ayer, but not really. It's like, you know, it's like from the wonderful demented mind of James Gunn or whatever it said, which is amazing. But honestly, if people are trying to understand like, what is this? And that's a problem. And also, too, they're not doing the thing that Marvel do so often, which is you have a swoop in cameo. There is a line in the Suicide Squad, not, not spoiling anything for anyone, that references Idris Elba's blood sport and a interaction he had with Superman that may have gotten behind bars for a while. Would have been a great moment to see Henry Cavell for two seconds. Oh, it would have been great. That, you know, but yeah. they, 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 it's like they exist. Yeah, you had the Joker show up in the, the last Suicide Squad movie and you had Batman kind of more of a car actually. But like, it's like intertwine this world. It feels so removed from each other. You, it's not just enough to have someone mention Aquaman or Batman or Superman. Let's see them for a little bit. And that's a real problem here. I don't think they have brand coherence. I don't. You can criticize Marvel for making movies by committee and, and, and Feige having basically a very stringent way of these, these things are done and everything's a tease to the next one. You can criticize them, but you can't criticize their bottom line. Their bottom line is, is kicking it. You know, Black Widow lawsuits and what have you aside. We are not seeing that with DC. So I'm tired of hearing Warner Brothers like it's always the other guy's fault. Yeah. This, now in this, that vein, let's talk about Free Guy because I'd like to know what you think about that. Well, again, I think what's on everyone's mind is is how much um, the Delta variant might impact this this weekend's box office. Look, on the safe side, it's supposed to come somewhere in the mid-teens, but if this hits 20 million, that's pretty good. Um, the uphill challenges with this, it's, a, it's original IP that's always... Um, a challenge at the box office, but 
The other thing is, um, I heard that the reason why Disney kept this theatrical was because of the, the uh, a previous commitment that 20th Century Studios had to HBO for the film's pay one TV window mm-hmm. that they couldn't untangle from that. So I find, find that very interesting because all along, I know internally they love this movie, uh, you know, because the notion was after the, uh, after the uh, acquisition of Fox that all of the 20th Century Fox movies were just stepchildren. In this case, no. Unwanted stepchildren, I might add. They're giving it, they're giving it a big push. So um, again, if things go sideways, look, already it's a horrible time uh, for business at the box office when you have kids going back to school. So, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I, I, I just feel like we're, you know, we have these discussions, and and you write amazing analysis of what's going on. But there feels to me so much like we're talking about box office is kind of talking about 78 vinyl records. Like, you know, and, and, and I feel like I live in the age of Spotify, I live in the age of Spotify, Amazon and Apple Music. And I just feel like that discussion is a novel discussion. It's, you know, interesting. You still go to Amoeba. Yeah, I do. And look, I have vinyl records, but I got to tell you, my last move, I got rid of all those 78s I had, right? Like, so, you know... <laughs> There's a historical significance, but there's also an irrelevance. And I feel like we're just in that. Like the same thing we're seeing in television with the debates over the Nielsen ratings. Like how much do they really matter? What they're measuring is not is not the totality of what people's experience is watching television. So in a sense, they're rendering themselves kind of at least in a box, if not redundant. I just feel like constantly this discussion is an old guard holding on to an old ways, except like what you said about Suicide Squad, when it like they're like it's the best R-rated blah 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 ever. Then they're like it's a bragathon, and yeah. then then it's like oh they didn't do that well. Then it's like oh well, it there's a pandemic which there is. Let's be very clear, and it's rising and surging yet again due to the unvaccinated. And then there's this, and there's not theaters. Yes, there's all these factors. So why don't you just back it back and simply say like. What our expectation is, is not what we're gauging this by. What we're gauging this by is HBO Max subscriptions, retention, churn. Those are kind of boring. You don't get to say $200 million weekend, but you do get to say stock price. So I guess that's a good place to be. We talked about Free Guy. We talked about Suicide Squad. I know you have a little bit to say about the Venom sequel, and I'm really interested in that. Well, As of this morning, there is a rumor that Venom Let There Be Carnage is going to move from its September 24th date, which, let's face it, Dominic, what an oddball date to put out a tentpole movie. Uh, Studios have made October 1st or the first weekend in October a launch pad. You know, that's where Joker launched to um, a, a a record number for the month. And prior to that, Venom did as well. However, um, there's buzz that either Venom 2 is going to go to October 15th or January. It's not clear at this point, um, but Sony's looking to move it. And yeah. I think it might be due to this two things, either this Delta variant and or a very crowded uh, fall and winter schedule. 
Well, we'll see. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In that. So he's here, the man himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mike Coulter from Evil is joining us. I believe direct from the wonderful, wonderful island of Puerto Rico. Welcome, Michael. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, man. Appreciate it. So listen, Evil is off right now. You guys are going to be back very, very soon with, I guess, what we refer to as uh, part 2B. Going to be back on August 29th. So everyone's yep. going to be on Paramount+. Plus. But yep. I believe Anthony has a few questions very specific to what's going on on Evil, my friend. Okay. Well, first, first of all, since it's on Paramount+, Plus now, do we expect more skin, more blood? Absolutely. I love the forthrightness in that one. Boom. <laughs> nice. Is, what have you heard from the clergy in regards to this show? Because it's very interesting. It's almost like, I mean, it's like a better form of Exorcist, the TV show. You know, I think, I, I wonder, you know, I've never, I guess I'm a little bit um, insulated in terms of, you know, I don't, I don't go out in public and sort of engage with a lot of people. I sort of, I'm in the same places at the same time. I'm a pretty much a creature of habit. And I don't bump into a lot of clergymen. We have a technical advisor on set. And listen, we stretch the bounds of what is acceptable. But at the same time, I think we reflect more um, of reality. You know, the same reality is stranger than fiction. <clears throat> and I don't think as much we can do that will stretch it to the point where it's completely unbelievable because I, I do I do get people who are not clergymen who are just believers uh, ardent believers who are just like I I, I, I see these things too I, I have these same kind of visions or they talk about things in a way that it really feels like it's, it's touching home for them when I think about the clergy I, I think I liken it to if you're talking about the, the show Sopranos you think about the mob sometimes the mob I, I don't know the mob openly talked about Sopranos, but I think they watched it. You know what I mean? Right? They watched it. Oh, and yeah. they probably enjoyed it, right? So, and they felt represented in some shape, some shape or form. Now, I don't know if they like it and like they go and, oh, this is a good representation of us, but I don't think they can look away. I don't think they can ignore the fact that this, this is touching on some subjects that may be close to home. So I feel like they may be silently watching, you know, in, inside their rooms and is not chatting about it. You know what I mean? So, Mike, one of the things about Evil is obviously you guys started out on CBS Network. Um, yes. If people don't know. Evil is created by Robert and Michelle King. Famous. Yes. Many of us know them from The Good Wife, The Good Fight, and, and many, many more. This show is really, it's not what you expect from the Kings. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's attracted the audience it has. But in season two, you guys moved on to Paramount+. Plus. Um, yes. And that's a... Anthony talks about it here in his questions about that's a very different thing, gives you a lot more leeway in some ways. But from your point of view, what did that shift mean and how did it impact you both as an actor and then in terms of your character with David Acosta? You know, the thing is, when it happened, it was pretty sudden. We didn't know it was necessarily going to happen. I, I wish we had found out sooner. It, it was a lot to digest in the middle of the season. We were, we were in the middle of filming. And when they oh, announced so you guys that were was... in the heart of season two when this happened. 
Yeah, yeah. So we're in the heart of season two and a half. And I think for us, the, the immediate response was, well, what does that mean? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? We weren't sure how to take it because, you know, Paramount Plus, you know, first it was CBS uh, All Access and we, we knew that we were on that. It's just when you change platforms and, you know, don't get me wrong, streaming is, is the future. Online access is the future. Everyone well, wants you know, to watch you know, Mike, Mike, I don't want to dwell on the past, but, you know, you kind of had a good run on another streamer where you kind of, when your show, a certain Luke Cage broke Netflix yeah. when it debuted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Netflix... And that wasn't that long ago. You talk, you talk about that was like, oh my God, was that, it's three three years ago. I mean, that's when it premiered, I believe. And I think Jessica yeah. Jones was 2016. And at that time, Netflix had a sort of, you know, a, a finite amount of things that they were showing that, we, that were household names. And then in three years, an exponential exploded. And I think all streamers have to understand that content is key, content is king, and having things that will draw people to the platform. And I feel like, you know, it was a great move for us because, you know, Evil never really felt like a network show. And I think finding a streamer was the best way to sort of make us, A, continue on to tell the story we wanted to tell without being sort of hindered by a network platform, and B, sort of bring our story to a bigger audience. And I think that's a good thing. It, it didn't occur to me immediately, but as I sat with it for a few days, I think the cast members, the, the creators, um, producers, everyone felt the same way. And I think it's going to be a good thing. I think it's going to change the way in which we explore the characters because, again, you know, profanity and nudity are not things that we want to hang our hats on. We're, you know, we're not, we're not trying to, I don't think the show is trying to be HBO. It's not trying to be whatever the other platforms are trying to be. We want to tell a story without trying to steer away from things that network won't allow us to do because, you know, adding a curse word here or there doesn't make our show better. Showing a boob, showing something that is a little, um, um, risque doesn't really change the show and it shouldn't make the show nudity that shouldn't make the show but if you want to show something I think it I think it you know it's nice to be able to do that yeah I mean I mean you know and I think you make a good point there because so many people have fallen into I would call it the Game of Thrones trap where yeah, they yeah. feel like oh if you're selling this on premium cable and now streamer you've got to have a lot of sex you've got to have a lot of violence and you and you got to have it very explicit which I think is different mm -hmm. now so yeah. let's talk so Work me, talk me through this a little bit. So you guys were doing season two, mm -hmm. filming what you thought was a network show that suddenly mm -hmm. became a streamer show. Now yeah. you're coming back later this month with what we refer to as season 2B of Evil. Mm -hmm. Has, was that filmed more in the bubble of a streamer or was that also filmed in the, in the, in the, the works of a network? We did, no, we did. As soon as we found out, the writers went and speak scripts, the remaining um, scripts for us. So we could lean more towards that. And also the editing hadn't been done yet. I think that allowed um, Robert, Michelle and all the directors that were on, um, that are participating or, or helping us um, for season two, who, who worked on season two, it helped them in their final edit because you're not looking at a what, 43 minute format anymore. You're, you really can just, you, you can let it breathe a little bit. You're not doing the acts outs. You, you can understand how that's sort of constricting for storytellers to try to write under those those constraints. I think it helped them in their editing. Cause I mean, listen, let's be honest. Three minutes is a long time in television. Yeah. You can do a lot with three minutes. You can, you, you, things you were forced to do before you don't have to do now. And it's like, I think everyone took a little, you know, a deep breath. Now you, that doesn't mean you want to go crazy. You don't want to have to add, you know, you don't need to add 10 minutes to something that was going to be 43 minutes if, if that was not the intention. Um, so within the parameters of, of making it better, but not excessive, I think that helped out a lot. And so as soon as they found out, they went back and it tweaked 
Um, we did some ADR. There were words that we wanted to use, obviously some profanity maybe here and there that was put in. Um, and yes, there, you know, we wrote with the idea that, hey, we can show some skin. So when they edit it, they maybe edited things differently. And hopefully you'll see that in the, in the, in the final um, episodes. And I know you'll see it. And I know you'll see in the final episodes. No, I hope you'll see. I know you will. And then, of course, you guys are going to be back again. Now, we talked a lot about evil, and I don't want to. I'm not. I, I hate it when people ask spoiler questions, so I'm not going to go there. But I want to talk uh, about the things you're other doing. I want to talk about one of the reasons you're in Puerto Rico, which is you're currently shooting the plane with Jared Butler. Um, mm -hmm. That was announced a little while ago. You've also got South of Heaven coming out. So give us a yep. sense about you know Mike Coulter's career, genre superstar, but also multimedia. Yeah, you know, I think you hit it in the head. Genre, I like to, I'm a genre jumper. I like to try to um, nice. stay, yeah, you know, I, I think that works for me, genre jumper. I really like to be in um, multiple worlds and try to find different audiences. Um, and it works because I don't feel like, I mean, listen, there's a comfort in going to a place where you're you're known for a certain thing and people, you know, it's like it's like a default and they, and they, they love you for it, you know, if you're, if you're an action person and you stick with that in that genre or romantic comedy person, but I think all actors get into this business to act and to create new characters. And so when you, when you get out of that, that genre, there may be people who don't know you, but that's also a good thing because they're now not coming in with a preconceived notion of what to expect. So, you know, did Luke Cage action come back? We're now we're doing something a little different um, and evil, obviously priests and uh, training, you know, um, and, and now when you talk about the plane, the plane is, uh, at its, at its core, an action film. But I think that the core, what's really gonna make the film work is if, uh, you know, uh, the relationship between Gerard's character and my character and, and, and how that develops and what happens during the film. And so it, it's, it's, a, it's a, right now we're in the early stages of it. It's going well, I think. I think um, the crew's an excellent crew. We have a great director, great producers, Gerard's, um, Gerard's kick-ass. And so um, I look forward to seeing where it goes, but we were really in the early, early stages. We're in the first week of filming now, so um, in Puerto Rico. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hopefully we'll end strong and, and we won't have any big hiccups and things will go as planned. But the, the locations look great. The people are phenomenal. And the, and the, the script, the, uh, the writer is on set with us and making tweaks um, as we go. And, it's, and he's really helped us a lot. Um, with the script and, and, and Gerard's been really helpful because you step into a film, you really have to create a character on the fly and you jump into it somewhere in the middle. You don't know where you, you never really- And, and we should just tell people quickly, they don't know the plane literally as the title is kind of the giveaway. It is a plane that goes it down is a on plane. an island. It does, it goes down on an island and, and Gerard, the character is, is the, is the uh, Jerry's character is the pilot and, and my character is, is one of the passengers and I have a um, checkered pass, um, which we, we start out with this very sort of um, mysterious character and then, and then it unfolds into something different. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's a nice story. And I think, um, I think we can make something out of it. I think the, character, um, the characters are great. We can develop them and make them into something that people really, really enjoy. Um, so um, yeah, then, yeah, then South of Heaven um, is another genre. You know, there's, it's, it's a movie, uh, Jason Sudeikis and uh, Evangeline Lilly are in it, um, Shea Wingham. It's, 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 it's one of those sort of independent films where it's character driven. Everyone has a very specific character. It's shot in, in, in Texas. It, it's, it's a very character driven thing where you feel like every character has its own sort of real motivation. And, and there's this conflict all along the way. And I think it's a very quiet, very sort of um, sort of interesting film in that it doesn't have huge explosion scenes or something, you know, action packed things, but it does have these really interesting characters that, um, that 
all have a real strong motivation to get something. And what I love about it is it, it ends in a way that I don't think you expect it to end. And I think all the characters are sort of sad in a way, but also is a little, it's a little funny too. The director, uh, Aaron, uh, he, he, he had a, he had a, a film called Big Bad Wolves, which was really interesting and sort of, I don't know a lot of people have seen it because of the, because of the nature of the, of the, of what it's about, the, 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 the subject matter. But when I saw that film and I looked at it and I said, this director can make this palatable a and also um, um, entertaining, then I was really wondering what he could do with this material. And, and he also, you know, co-wrote this material. So I'm interested in people seeing it. I play, I, uh, spoiler, I do play um, somewhat uh, of a gangster, but um, that's just, that's just, you know, that's just a general thing. Like he's, he's, he's a gangster, but there are no good and bad characters in it. Everybody's great. So, um, so don't jump to conclusions, but it's a, it's a, it's a nice, interesting piece. Well, Mike, it was great having you join us today. We really, really appreciate it. Live and direct from, the, from Puerto Rico. Hope everything goes great with the plane. Hope to talk to you soon. And we look forward to more evil the end of this month on Paramount. Thanks, Dom. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. So thanks for listening to us again on this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. Now, we love having you guys listen to us on Deadline, but make sure you also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a single episode. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.